You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. But the title of my message today is called The Valley of the Blind. What happened on Monday, someone said a thing to me, and it reminded me of a story that I once read in 2003. And it was called The Valley of the Blind, and it's a real story. It's a real thing. And it's amazing that 15, 16 years later, someone could say something that sparks me to think about that story, The Valley of the Blind, at my team meeting. And then what happened was, I had a massive altercation on Facebook. with someone that was in my wedding party growing up. Well, I guess hopefully I was growing up by my wedding party, but <laughs> seems like a decade ago. No, 13 years ago, this, this guy's been in my life for 31 years, yet went on a personal attack on Facebook on me and went full tilt, like over, over the line. And uh, I don't really give any energy to any of it. And I was thinking to myself, huh, how weird is that? I reminded of the story of the Valley of the Blind on Monday. I then had this altercation on Wednesday that bled into Thursday, that on Friday I woke up and I'm in this text thread fight with this guy who rolled my mom into it. Don't mess with my mom. You want to beat down, mess with my mom. I I was thinking to myself, I was even hanging out with Pastor Juergen. I'm saying, you need to pray for me. I don't want to lose my salvation over this. And I'm glad you laughed, but I was having to say, hey, how many know you're thankful for you have a pastor you can talk to? So you might not think, listen, I have a breaking point. And so I did seriously ask him. I said, you need to pray for me because I don't want a spirit of bitterness. I don't want to get ticked off. I don't want to lose favor over my life because I know I walk in favor. But this thing right here, I need you to pray for me because this guy has crossed the line. And I don't care that I've known him for 31 years. I need to know what to do. Because in this altercation, I was, it was escalating with some of the things we were saying. And I started just going there. And then I put this one text down. I go, this will be the dagger that ends this forever. And I, and I knew it. And as I text the whole thing out, the Holy Spirit said to me, why would you do that? And I was like, Phew. So in that moment, I got so convicted, I deleted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt pretty good. It was a heated battle. But the, the breakthrough came that I really got there. I literally, because I, I take it that personal. A guy for 31 years, I'm like, I don't have friends like this in my life. I don't understand how he got stuck in the Valley of the Blind, but it does not matter. There's some history here. And I, as I went, I pressed delete, and I got down on my knee, and I prayed for him. Wow. What I didn't know until this morning, which gets me choked up, my mom was on her knees praying for him. You can, I'm, I'm emotional about it because we all walk through this stuff to the point where I'm going to preach on this, but I want you to get this. I want you to understand this, that in 31 years, I've never heard this guy ever apologize, even come close to it. He was a debate champion in his Emory University, never lost, never. National champion his sophomore, junior, senior year. No, no one can be. Then he went on to Baylor Law, graduated number one, Never studied a day in his life. That's how brilliant he is. Went on to law school. I mean, went on to become number one attorney in a year before he was about to make partner quit because he was so tired of it and uh, because he knew he could win any argument. But personally, you know, lost his wife along the way. 
had an affair on him, broke his heart. I've watched a tormented spirit ever since. But what happened was so beautiful is last night at 5.30 p.m., he sent me a text saying, I apologize. I mean, this went on, I call it, you know, in the one page, so I call it a four-scroller. So I, I four-scrolled this thing and read the most humble thing I've ever read probably in my entire life to the point where I thought that that's impossible. To the point where I said, there's no way. I sent him another text. And he just went on and on. And he just said, I can't let politics, I can't let beliefs get in my way of 31 years. And he went through all the good things in our 31 years it was. And he just realized this was a sobering moment for him. Still to this day, this morning, it was shocking. You know what's amazing? I was going to read you a couple of these texts, and they're all gone as of five minutes ago during worship, and I haven't touched my phone. Is that not amazing? So the devil doesn't want anybody to get victory, knowing he'd rather us get bitter, pissed, and not celebrate each other, knowing that our God is bigger than any of it. And part of this is uh, the revelation I want you to know. God can heal all things. God can restore all things. And out of this whole situation, I got a good preach out of it because I was going on this. I never knew God was working on my heart. I didn't know he was working on his heart. So this whole thing was what I was walking through, but it comes down to the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy to take away our dreams, our visions, our goals, our finances, everything in our life. And I want to let you know, Vision Builders isn't about the church trying to get your money. Today is about, there's a card that says advance on it, that you and I both have to know that our God is so big, he wants you to advance forward in life every day till the day our life ends and we walk into eternity if you know Jesus. See, life should be lived like a candle, not up and down roller coaster, that it burns solid all the way down, flickers once or twice, and boom, we walk into the next life which is called heaven, big celebration, aha, Jesus wins. Okay, so I'm just gonna read a story and then I'm gonna get into the two operations of the two different types of faith that you can have. Say, I grew up 30 years with one type of faith, not a wrong faith, I wanna call it Christianity 101. And then I met Pastor Jurgen, and I had a revelation on faith. And I can say, we're not walking in 2.0 in this church, 3.0 in this church, but a 4.0 version of it. And I'm telling you, we're about to go up another level. And if you're sitting in here under the sound of my voice, just know that you cannot stay in these seats and not increase or advance your life. You will either get so uncomfortable, you advance your way to a safer church. I don't know how to put it any other way. Or you're gonna be like, no, I'm gonna grow. I'm gonna get used to the stretch and I'm gonna stay in it. It's, I, I just, I used to kind of like try to soften the blow a little bit. Like, let me, I can't even catch at this point. Just, let's go. <laughs> and the good news is there's so many, you saw the video. We didn't borrow clips from other church, by the way. That's all our locations. It's like, that's not stock video that we're buying. That's, this is our life we're living out. These are our people in there we're living out. This is C3. This is family, and, and you too will go through seasons, but know that you can never let go of that handle of faith that this house holds on to. So, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him or who whom is able, are you able? Yeah. Just checking, a few of you to do far more abundantly, 
You should love that word. Come on, Nick and Megan. I know you love it. Abundance. Then all that we ask or think, what are you asking for? What are you thinking about? According to the power at work within us. If you know Jesus, how many know there's power that's a work on the inside of us? We'll get there. So this is the story, a real story of something that did happen in a society, and I want you to grab this. Some people thought it was like something written, but I want you to understand it is a real place, 300 miles from the Chimbrazio, 100 miles from the snows of the Cotopexi, in the, waste, uh, in the wildest waste of the Ecuadorian Andes. There lies the mysterious mountain valley cut off from the world of men and people called the Valley of the Blind. What happened was people thought it was a folklore. They thought it, it was a place. There was rumors of it, but no one had ever been there. It had been years due to some earthquake that shifted certain things that no one had either left that village or entered it. But it, this is the story of a man because there was a population that was isolated in, in this forgotten valley and a disease ran through it that manifested in hurting a recessive gene of the people in here. And so people started to lose their eyesight over time until the old people that were losing their eyesight created and had younger children that had very limited eyesight that then eventually had children with no eyesight at all. They were blind, which then led to even changes in not even having sockets. It was just grown over. No eyelashes, no eyebrows, and just nothing there except hard bone. And that was from a recessive gene. And of course, if no one's, you can think about it, I don't need to say it, ever leaving or entering that village, how are they still having kids? It's not Arkansas, but. <laughs> I can only say that because I still have a farm in Arkansas back down. Okay, we're fine. So this is the story of that man. He was a mountaineer. Uh, he was an Englishman. He was well-read, well-studied, an enterprising man. He was taken to this part of the country to do an Ecuadorian climb in the mountains because one of the Swiss guides had fallen ill, so he stepped in. But as the story goes, they were hiking to one of the peaks of the greatest mountains, snow caps, and they were taking a rest on the top of this mountain before they were gonna hit the peak the next day. And it was a base camp, if you will. Well, what happened was due to an earthquake that day or that night, it shook him. He fell off the cliff. So when they woke up the next day, he was the one that was missing. They thought he was gone. They thought he was dead, and, but he had survived. He had, found, he had fallen a 1,000 feet down a slope, broken bones, but he lived, and he rehabbed himself. It was weeks, weeks, but he knew how to eat off the land. He knew how to eat off. He was an outdoorsy guy, so he knew how to survive, and he was surviving, but he fell down into a valley. Long story short, he was stumbling across this valley. He came to a bridge, which he came to a gate in the wall. As he approached, he saw some people there, and he was waving at them, but they could not see them. He said, oh, I wonder if this is the folklore of the Valley of the Blind. They weren't looking at him. They were listening to him. They stood close together like little men afraid, and he couldn't see if their eyes were open, but he could tell something wasn't right. One man said, in hardly recognizable Spanish. A man is it or a spirit coming down from the rocks? What I love about this, this man called Nunez advanced with confidence because he remembered of a folklore of a saying called in the valley of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. So he started to think 
I wonder how I can explain the taste of chocolate if they've never had it. So he had an eye for beautiful things and he said, this will be easy. And he met these men, he went on to talk to them, but they could not understand what sight was. He was trying to explain them, I can see you. They did not comprehend. This is 500 years of blindness, of generations, folklores. No one even had the concept anymore of what vision was, what sight was, what the sky was. It had been long past talked about. Dreams had died. This was what they lived in, sheer darkness. So their expectation and thought process was completely different. For months, he tried to explain as he healed his body staying there. As the more he tried to explain, the more he alienated himself. You don't understand, he cried in a voice that was meant to be of great resolute, but which broke. You were blind and I can see, leave me alone. So frustrated, he just said, I have to leave. He left the village. He stayed outside the wall of the valley of the blind for two nights and days without food or shelter. He, he could not understand, he was starving. So he broke down and went back thinking, in the valley of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. I can do this. I can shift them. I can explain to them. I can talk to them. I'm better than this. I'll try a new way. But he went back. So Nunez went back, became a citizen of the valley of the blind. And these people ceased to be generalized people and became individuals to him, family to him, friends to him. But he was still alienated because they did not understand him. Many years in the village, there came a time he fell in love. The father pleaded with his daughter, do not marry this strange man. I know, wept the woman. He's better than he was. He's getting better. He's strong, dear father. He's kind, stronger and kinder than any other man in this entire world. And he loves me, father, and I love him. Old Jacob was greatly distressed to find her inconsolable. And besides what it made more distressing, he started to like Nunez for many things. So he went to the council of the blind elders and he listened for the proper time. And he said, he's better than he was. Very likely someday we shall find him as the same as ourselves. So then afterwards, one of the elders who was in deep thought had an idea. He was a great doctor among these people and he had a very inventive mind and the idea of curing Nunez appealed to him. So he went to the father and he says, I have an idea. I've studied Nunez for many years. I know the problem. His brain is affected, said the blind doctor. The elders murmured absent. What affects it? Ah, the doctor said. Those queer things that are called the eyes and which exist to make an agreeable depression in the face, they're diseased in, the case, in his case, in such a way to affect his brain. They're greatly distended. He has eyelashes and eyelids and they move so constantly. His brain is in a state of constant irritation and distraction. <laughs> Yes, said the doctor. Yes, I say we make with him reasonably certain that in order to cure him completely, all we need to do is a simple and easy circle, surgical operation, namely to rem remove these irritated bodies. And then he will be sane. Then he will be perfectly sane and quite an admirable citizen. Thank heaven for science, said the old man, and went forth at once to tell Nunez of his happy hopes. But when he heard the news, he was disturbed. One might think, he said, that the tone that you take, that means you don't care about my daughter, saying that we found a solution for your disease. He shook his head. My world is my sight. He said, but what about my daughter? So he went back and forth, and he finally agreed over two weeks. Tomorrow, he said, I shall see no more. 
In that moment, he took a walk and decided to pray. And for the first time, he reached out to hear a different voice. As he walked, he started to see the magnificence of the world, the sunset, and he kept walking and walking and walking until he realized sunset was near and he had the epiphany, I'm never going back. Vision is too important. He chose sight, he chose vision. What he realized was that the mentality of the valley of the blind was stealing his future, stealing his hope. Goes on to say, and the story goes on, that as he went out, he almost died, he barely lived, and he was rescued. And then ended up writing the story, and now it's a story on the other side, 500 years later. But it's amazing to go on and think that millions, even today, are born without much vision. What I tell you is that we must be the church that builds courage on the inside of us. Courage is what withstands sometimes even my friend who is challenging me on my belief systems. Who, what was I willing to give up? Was I willing to say, why am I even friends with this guy? Because he wants me to give up everything I believe in order to be my friend. That was his challenge to me on Wednesday. If we're gonna be friends moving forward, you have to understand how blind you are, he told me. Blind to politics, blind to health concerns, blind to even my faith. And I was thinking, who is the one that's blind here? But do we have to sit here and try this ballot? Am I asking him to pluck his eyes out? Why is he asking me to pluck mine? As it came down to this, I realized that the first 30 years of my life, I grew up in an incredible Christian family. I had love, I had support, I had comfort, I had knowledge, I had religion. But I was living in the valley of the blind. I never saw anybody radically healed. I never saw anyone radically transformed. I was around a lot of amazing, humble Christians that loved Jesus. Was there a level of blindness that we are walking in? You don't know what you don't know until you meet somebody that reveals that I may have a blind spot. How many know when you're driving, there's always a blind spot in a car? There's no, whenever you buy a car, they even kind of point out. And then they come up with sensors. They may come up with little mirrors. Then they come up with blinker videos. Next thing you know, it's going to be an LED wall in front of us, and we're just going to be driving by LED. That's my wife. Right now, she just hits two clicks, and she drives to church. Well, she doesn't drive. The Tesla drives, but... It's amazing that we can walk through life and be blinded to situations, whether it be financially, whether it be in relationships, whether it be in our faith, and never challenge that blind spot. But I felt this week God was exposing even greater levels to a blind spot when it came to perfect love, love for a friend. I could have sent a text, but was that text gonna be sending in love? I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me and I deleted that because that would have furthered a blind spot and I too would have been living in the valley of the blind, plucking a friend's eyes out that didn't need to be there. So what does this come down to? It comes down to, I wanna read this. I love the Passion Translation. Someone gave me a Bible, thank you very much. And it says, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, the word of God, Heaven's bliss fills your soul. See, this is a house of faith. It's different. Pastor Phil wrote a book on faith. Pastor Phil operates in a level of faith like I've never seen in my life before. Turn me on to a book by Pastor Yangi Cho, largest church in the world called The Fourth Dimension. 
That fourth dimension rattled my belief about what is possible in prayer like I've never, it, it actually gave me a hunger to read the word of God like I've never had a hunger to read the word of God before. Is this possible? Is it possible to let your faith be stirred in a way that you're living outside your comfort zone, but you like it? That you're gonna believe for the impossible and see your friends healed. You're gonna believe for the impossible and see marriages come together that are totally fractured. You're gonna watch people get delivered and set free from a demonic oppression, even though my church never talked about such a thing. Not here. Today's Vision Builder Sunday. This Vision Builder Sunday, what I want you to understand is, is to impart vision in a blind spot in your life. It's amazing, one of the most number one things that cause conflict in family is money. It's the number one like faux pas thing besides politics to talk about. Yet, it becomes a blind spot we're unwilling to go there in because of the attachment to it, because some people are defined by money, some people have a belief system around money. There is such thing as a poverty mentality and it creaks his way in the church and the devil wants you to play small and not get stretched in your faith. Why do we have a, a message around the tithe every single Sunday? Because our pastor wants to break something off the way we see things so he can get something through us and to us in a biblical proportion. We are never preaching something around that three to five minutes that isn't biblically sound, talking exactly what the Word of God says in accordance to what financial breakthrough looks like in your life. What I love about this, I need you to understand where this church has come from. If we could show some slides, I wanna let you know this is what has happened in one year. So this is some of the stuff that we saw the other night. If we have any of those slides from Vision Builders, Easter attendance across five campuses. Come on. You should cheer for yourself. You, br you brought people. What's the next slide? I love this. Water baptisms, 363. Come on, these are, these are lives impacted. Next stat. People to connect groups, 2,200 people in connect groups. Getting connected in a community to further their faith. The next one, new guests in the last year, almost 6,000 new guests. Because people wanna believe in something. What's the next one? Pathways graduates, 705. And in that Pathways, people getting filled and infused with the Holy Ghost. It's a big deal. Next one, salvations. Hello. This is what church is about. That many people going to heaven that wouldn't have if we didn't make a stand and fight for them. What's the next one? Volunteers, 1,800. You can't do church without all you. Thank you. And the next one, I know we got some missions. So just to show you some stuff, over $300,000 of vision builders was sewn in to these different missions that we support. If you didn't know that, the Dream Center, San Diego Rescue Mission, Turning Point, which just to let you know, opened up next door to a Planned Parenthood and shut them down. And you might say, how? Because their walls have joined. All they did every day was lay hands on the wall and pray on the wall. And the money dried up. Next slide, Genesis Recovery, one of the greatest recovery centers. Lucas Connell Ministries going around the world. Esther's Voice, Kabbalah Ministries. You can see all the different ones that we support locally and abroad. The C3 Military Outreach that now we're going to the next level with the Wounded Warriors Foundation, a locally one. Well-versed, uh, Salt and Light, 
uh, She Rescue Home. Salt and Light is just about becoming politically uh, activated, knowing who stands for what and how they vote, just so you know you're not going in on blind faith, you're not going in on party lines, you're going in who is standing with the Word of God and voting in accordance to the Word of God. That's what Salt and Light does. We are called to be Salt and Light. So just to let you know that you are making an impact just by sitting right here and sowing your heart into what's happening in the city and around the world in our missions. It's a good thing. Give your guys self a hand. You should. I want to give you just two quick verses of an understanding between two ways we can think. And then I want you to be stirred in your faith to understand a thing. Listen to this. Mark 4, 35 through 41. I love this. This is on the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along. The boat was as he was. The other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, and so it was already filling. But he was in the stern, I love this part, asleep on a pillow. I mean, who brings a pillow on a fishing boat? I love the fact that that's in there. Jesus brought his own pillow. If I'm one of the disciples and Jesus rocked up with a pillow, I'd be like, are you really, grab an oar, bro. You're gonna sleep. And then he woke to him and said, teacher, do you not care we are perishing? And then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? Is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And they said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? That's how powerful our God is. But what I want to let you know that is, I grew up a lot like this. Christian 101 is what I'm calling that story. And it's not wrong. It's just not, we're called to be more than the Christian 101s around here. What do you mean by that? Well, there was a need, okay? There was a need. There was a storm. Uh, there was disciples. They were Christians. And they prayed to Jesus. He answered with a miracle. Okay, how many know that you've woken up, you've had a need, you pray to Jesus, and there's a miracle. And then you come to Tuesday morning prayer and you share your God story about the miracle. And then what happens is, Jesus rebuked his disciples and said, where's your faith? He's trying to teach them something. You've been with me long enough. You've been with me, you've seen all these miracles, and yet I'm asleep on a boat. Do you think I'm really going down? And yet... You still panic, you fold like a deck chair, you make me get off my pillow. I'm gonna perform the miracle, but I need to rebuke you so you know faith looks different than that. I grew up like this. I was going to heaven. But how many know I wasn't gonna live the empowered life walking in victory in every storm that I face? I just want to let you know the difference. I had debt when I came here. I had issues when I came. I still have issues. Okay, I'm working them out. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> Hence my whole buddy story. I thought I'd be praying on day one when I got the first text. No, it took me two days to go ask for prayer. But I'm going to work that out. Just letting you know. If you guys want to pray for me afterwards, that'd be fine. But Christian 101 is, then I met Pastor Jurgen, a man of faith who prophesied, I've never heard a prophetic word like that, made me uncomfortable. I came and heard a tithe message, made me uncomfortable. I saw worship, I saw hands raised, I saw people down the front, passionate about Jesus. 
I could not wrap my head around what was going on. It was the next level faith, and that's where I want to come into this next one. Matthew 8, 5 through 13. The faith of a centurion. It's a different type of story. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him and asked for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. He wasn't a Christian, he was a Roman. But just say the word and my servant will be healed because he believed. For I myself am a man under authority. He understood the authority Jesus had. With soldiers under me, I tell you this, go and he goes and to this one, come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following, truly I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel, Christians, with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and to the west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, meaning many believers will come. But the subject of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the chariot, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. Others say, as you say it, it will be. As you say it will be, it will be. That's what Jesus is telling the centurion. Whatever you say it is, it will be. So my thing is, what are you saying about your finances today? What are you saying about your healing today? What are you saying about your marriage today? What are you saying about your kids today? What are you saying about your friendships today? What are you saying about your breakthrough today? What are you saying about that house that you want that looks intimidating? What are you saying? It's as you say it is. God does not respond, respond to numbers or need. He responds to faith. He was showing the disciples in the first story, listen, you're gonna get your miracle, but I need you, if you're gonna take the gospel around the world, I need you to have another level faith called the centurion faith. That's next level faith, that's what I learned. The difference was I was a Christian and I was operating like the disciples, but I met Pastor Jurgen, got filled with the Holy Ghost, started hearing words of knowledge, worked on my prophetic gift, started reading the Bible. The Bible came alive to me and I became the centurion faith. It's as I say it is. Now I wanna mess with your mind one last thing before we pray. I want you to understand in the Passion Translation in Philippians 4.13, and a lot of us know that verse, but I wanna read it to you this way. I know what it means to lack and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For, my tra- for I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. And I will find the strength of Christ's explosive power that it infuses me to conquer every difficulty. You so graciously provided, the next verse says, for my essential needs during this season of difficulty. For I want you to know that the Philippian church, the C3 church, was the only church that supported me in the beginning as I went out to preach the gospel. You were the only church that sowed into me financially. See, faith in finances is a big deal. I call it spiritual maturity. I was amazing that I could be a part of a church for so long and we never owned a building for 20 years. I was in that church. We met it in school. But how would I meet a Pastor Jurgen that wanted to buy this building was the first building that was ever bought? And to now know that San Marcos is what we're gonna walk through and you're gonna see a flyby in just a minute. I want you to see that it's already been designed. Construction's already been 
in the works. Bibles have already been laid down in the footings that have concrete over them. It's going to be built on the biblical foundation over there. And I'm telling you, we're going to see supernatural things. And for what we can see in a church, because we're under the authority of Pastor Phil, we're under the authority of Pastor Jurgen, two men that operate in faith like I've never seen, you have that same ability to walk under that flow of faith because you're in this house sowing into righteousness. I want to read this thing, and then I want to say one thing, because I want you to really get this in your spirit today, and then we're going to pray. For I can do everything, all things, through Christ who gives me strength. That's the NIV. I want you to hear it one more time. For I can do everything, all things, through Christ who gives me strength. Do you agree that Christ gives you strength? Let's be in agreement with that. Now here's what I want to mess with you. I'm going to put what the centurion said in this. For I can do everything, all things, because I said I can. It's as you say it is. Christ is already in you. I can do everything that I say I can do. It's as you say it is. It's a, I just want to mess with us because I want this church to get it. I've watched my life change and I'm no different from you. All I've done is said, I'm gonna submit to Pastor Jurgen's authority under Christ that lines up to the word of the God and I'm gonna get my own faith in the word of God and I'm gonna start meditating on the word day and night about what it says. And it says I can do all things in Christ. It is is what I say it is. I'm gonna get an amen and an agreement from heaven. When my wife and I are in agreement, how many know things happen a lot quicker? How many know that Christ gives me strength to do the things that I say that I'm gonna do? It says, you say it is. Where's your faith level today? The toleration of listening to the enemy will get you to play small. It is as you say it is. Anything, all things, everything is possible. It's just such a, it messes with your psychology of understanding what God wants for you. He wants to stretch us today. He wants you to believe in centurion faith. He wants you to understand that we can be early Christian disciples in a boat in a storm and have that experience. But once we've had that experience, let Jesus rebuke you. Be okay with it. Say, no, 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 I want the next level faith. We're gonna start somewhere. What's the next level? Now I want to read this verse again that I started with. Are you ready? Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able, we know Jesus is able, to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. What are you commanding today? What are you believing today? What are you asking today? What are you thinking? It says... To him it is able far more abundantly than the, what we ask or what we think. It means we gotta guard our thoughts. We have to take our thoughts captive. We have to renew our mind. It is important what you think about. What you think about, you bring about. It's biblical. It's Bible. It is as you say it is. I'm gonna pray for us today because I could go on and on about the miracles of Jesus. And one of the things that Rex Crane really enlightened me on is that he didn't want to read the Old Testament for a while. 
he wanted to stir his faith, so he spent three years reading the New Testament over and over and over. He started with just one year reading the miracles of Christ. And then after that year, he read the New Testament. And then he read the New Testament, he read the New Testament. Once he felt like he owned and couldn't operate in that level of faith, he went back to reading the Bible. He said, I only wanted to operate in a faith at a level I never have before. And his life and his fruit is a product of that. How do we renew our mind? Whatever way you think you need to, there's no formula. But I'm gonna pray for us today. I'm gonna ask our pastors and our lay pastors to come down. If I could just pray, first of all, if you've never accepted Jesus, don't know Jesus, that's the most important thing before we go into the vision builders and I pray and do a declaration. But if you could all bow your heads and close your eyes. I want anybody in this room that may not have a personal relationship. Not like, oh, I've heard about Jesus, I think Jesus is a good person, but anybody that wants to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I wanna pray for you. If there's anyone in here, and you say, that's me, Pastor Matt, pray for me. I want you to raise your hand so I can. I wanna make sure we get you a Bible, a following Jesus book. If there's anyone here, just anyone here, that's the most important thing. What you're connected to matters. What you're in alignment with matters. There's only one savior and his name is Jesus. We have a team, anybody in a high shirt, anybody, have, just if you're, it's not about raising your hand, that's just an acknowledgement so I can know who to pray for. But if that's you today, come up to any of us, this beautiful young lady's up at the front, you can come find her afterwards, grab a Bible and a following Jesus book. But for those, I'm gonna have my pastors coming on up now and we're gonna pray. Today is Vision Builder Sundays. I'm gonna have the ushers bring buckets up. What you're doing is you're aligning yourself with what you saw those stats to be. And we could run through the slideshow of the San Marcos building. I wanna let you know that our number one thing right now is actually the, for the furtherment of North County. This building was purchased. It's in the middle of construction. This Vision Builders, we're dedicating to building that out like one of the greatest churches you've ever seen. We wanna let you know that your blood, sweat, and tears, what you sow, you're sowing into righteousness, thousands of souls and lives saved because of that church. Over an 1,100 seat auditorium, a youth room like you've never witnessed before. It's gonna be incredible. We wanna open it up during the week, play basketball, let youth find a place that there's a safe place in North County they can go. We want to teach these young kids to get them in filled with the Holy Ghost, to learn how to pray in boldness for their colleagues, for their school friends, a place that they can come hang out and have a coffee, knowing a place that you can come for prayer. We want to do so many things, but guess what? It takes the faithfulness, just like we own this building, just like we bought the kids' church building because there was a need, we outgrew this place. We have one of the number one kids' facilities in the city right now. But in this next building, we're gonna open it up for a daycare center. Because we want kids in our community to have a place they can come to all week long. And how many know the next generation and the next generation and the next generation, that's what we're going after right now. So as you think about in your spirit and pray and come into agreement with where God and the Holy Spirit is nudging you right now to sow into this year's vision builders, just know that our entire church is sowing today on Sunday. And what's so amazing about it, they're sowing into actually the fruit of what we'll be living in and walking in. 
But guess what? They did it for us with this building. Then we did it for them for Central. We did it them for South. We're looking for a new Central building right now because it's totally outgrown. The issue with this building will be that it's right on one of the busiest freeways in San Diego County, that we will explode, that we need people that want to pray, that people will want to volunteer, and they want to step up to the next level. Let God stir something this morning. But here's the number one thing I've learned. What my wife didn't tell you is about my accountant, my Jewish accountant. He's been there for a long time. He was sitting there, and my wealth advisor is a new Christian to C3. My bookkeeper's been at C3 for a long time, so she gets it. He sat in that meeting with an ear-to-ear permagrin, knowing my CPA friends for a long time. He looked at this guy, Greg, and he said, is this really true? Greg just smiled. He goes, isn't it awesome? You can just tell he's like the new Christian, just ear-to-ear, just bobbing And he just couldn't wrap his head around that. And he kept asking to the point where I'm like, how many more times do we got to tell you it's, a, it's the FOG, the favor of God? And it's because my wife and I, a long time ago, even when we had a blind spot to our giving and vision builders, I said, God, this is where I have to learn to trust you anyways. This is where I want the authority and the faith of the centurion soldier. I want to be able to pastor a church with that level boldness, with that level faith, the same faith that when another pastor came and prayed for my friend and got healed, and now I can walk in that same level of faith. If you did it there, Lord, you can do it in finances. If you've done it in finances, you can do it in the miraculous and healing. God, if you've done it when I've been nervous to step out and start a new business, but I've seen the fruit of it four years later, that God, I need that again. Wherever you need that faith, for some it's finances today, and some of you have God stories, that I know people that have sown even a down payment of their house into this house, and they didn't know how they'd get their house, but guess what? They're living in it today. There's stories like that. God owns the cattle on a thousand hill, and all the cattle, and all the hills, and all the gold, and all the treasure, and all the blessing. Today, it's just about aligning our faith today. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.